Yeah, whatever it was. Or the Judean and people's friend. Exactly. And it's like, oh, and it's I like, can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's I, that guy over there. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is the marketing, the F is for well you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, and this weekly podcast serves as my excuse to chat with marketing friends, old and new, that I've met through my career as a VP of marketing and CMO, as a trusted advisor to clients, with agencies, as an analyst, and with my own firm. Come say hello at Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. This episode was recorded on Friday the 26th of March. Yep, that's the first quarter of 2021 almost done. I hope you've had a good week and you are well, safe and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. In a moment, I'll be chatting with Jeff Clark as we discuss if a marketing trend or technique is a one-hit wonder or wonder wall. I chat with a friend of the show, Irene Nearcorn Kane, Director of Marketing at Exact Tag. And finally, I believe Mr. Robert Rose will be ready with a cocktail as we round off the week in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Right. Let's get started, shall we? On to our first segment. We marketers love to be down with the cool kids, dancing to the latest sound, but will that tune stand the test of time? Each week, my chum, Jeff Clark, Rockstar CMO advisor and former Serious Decisions Forrester Research Director, joins me in deciding if that marketing tune, topic or technique or trend that everyone is talking about is a one-hit wonder or wonder wall. Let's find out what's hot or not this week. Welcome back, Jeff, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, my friend? I am doing excellent. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Thank you for asking. I had an excellent conversation on your recommendation with Ed last week from a primo, which was fun. And um, also, uh, if in case people missed it, we, uh, you and I were talking about um, content marketing platforms. We were talking about a few of the old acronyms around the business. Um, and particularly, and we were also talking about marketing resource management, MRM. Another acronym. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And then I, I, I publish, um, well, it should be every Tuesday. I publish a blog post called Tuesday Two Cents. And this week, and I haven't hit publish on it yet, um, the, I was thinking about all these acronyms. And I thought that to the buyer, this must sound like that Monty Python sketch, you know, where it's like, the, it's the Judean, fr- the people's front of Judea. No, it's the front of Judea. Popular People's Front of Judea, or whatever it was. Or the Judean People's Front. Exactly. Oh, I can't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And there's that guy over there who's the (laughs) Palestinian Front of Judea. Popular People's Front. Are you the Judean People's Front? Fuck off. What? Judean People's Front. The People's Front of Judea. Judean people's front. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and it made me think that the, the, to the buyer, all these acronyms are they they, they, they they sound like that conversation. Like two people are having that conversation, they don't understand when yeah. the actual um, the actual cause, if you like, for the people's front of Judea should be shared amongst among uh, amongst all of them. Listen. The only people we ate more than the Romans are the fucking Judean people's front. Yes. 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 And the Judean popular people's front. Oh, yes. Yes. Split, 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 and the people's front of Judea. Yes. Yes. The people's front of Judea. Splitters. We're the people's front of Judea. Oh. I thought we were the popular front. People's front. Whatever happened to the popular front? He's over there. So um, if we move on to um, from our conversation about um, uh, content marketing platforms last week and move on to MRM, which we touched on, what's your view of MRM? Is is that a one hit wonder or wonderful or, or, or is MRM? Well, we can at? we can we can come to that conclusion at the end. Let's not, <laughs> let's not be hasty. <laughs> so never hasty, the, Jeff. Yeah, never. <laughs> Um, so one of the things, and I, and, you know, uh, I should disclose, I, when I was at Serious Decisions and, and Forrester, MRM was my, um, 
mm-hmm. uh, was I was the subject matter expert. We all had different technologies. We were supposed to be subject matter experts. So I, I had I, I was tagged with MRM. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I actually wanted it, but anyway, I was tagged with. And so yeah. I, I may be um, uh, I may be biased, I guess you know. Yes. But one of the things I would always say about um, MRM because I know we've had discussion or there have always been discussions about you know is MRM you know what's the does MRM still have a life or is it still out there or exists and stuff yeah. like that and I always say you know, MRM is because if you think about the the companies that have competed as marketing resource management solutions I mean it's a it's a suite of of um, software products with yeah. individual use cases and so you can't think about it as as niche as um, uh, I mean, even content marketing platforms are not as niche as, say, a workflow automation. Tool, right. You know, like we've talked Asana and Jira and Workfront and Rike and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so, you know, so MRM is this suite. And the use cases tend to focus, there tend to be three primary use cases. One is um, asset management for digital mm-hmm. asset management. The other is the workflow management through, uh, you know, through a marketing department and marketing connected to, you know, it's other you know, products and product management, et cetera. Yeah. And the other is planning. And, and so, uh, you know, you have to think about if you're, if you're the buyer, you have to think about what's the problem I'm trying to solve. And yeah. is the problem I'm trying to solve something that is pretty much constrained to one of those use cases for lack of a better right. term. Or is it something that's going to be broader? So therefore, I need not only need to be thinking about um, that initial use case, but I need to be thinking about how it connects to these other use cases. And do I, you know, buy a, you know, from like from Primo, a suite vendor that offers, you know, all of those, or do I, yeah. or do I just focus on, you know, what does the um, the one thing and think about integration or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so anyway, the the um, uh, I, I think what was interesting listening to, to Ed's conversation is that, you know, if you think about a primo and, and, and we, we shouldn't, so keep me from focusing too yeah, much no, on one vendor. I, I, I was going to interrupt you and yeah, say, yeah. there are other MRM vendors oh, available. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But, but what was interesting just in terms of, you know, what he was talking about is he was, he was talking about um, really from a content perspective and the assets. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to the original use cases that, or, or I should say, the original way MRM solutions became um, popular, uh, or, or, or made money, <laughs> for lack of mm-hmm. a, for a better term, is that they were serving uh, large-scale business-to-consumer client uh, companies that were selling um, uh, products in multiple countries, mm-hmm. and so their challenge was: uh, I've got I got toothpaste to sell. And I got to mm. sell it in 50 countries, and I need to um, I need to have some sort of central control over how the toothpaste is being marketed. But I need yeah. to leave a lot of differentiation regionally, you know, language, mm-hmm. uh, you know, local market uh, um, characteristics, uh, obviously different demographics, you know, all these yeah. various things. And so, so therefore, the product manager at the the you know not not to be mentioned toothpaste company mm-hmm. um would say okay so so i'm creating content uh, about what this product does and stuff like that and i'm pushing it out and i may trying to manage to control all the assets the photos the copy you know the story everything about it um but i'm letting people across the world use reuse these assets and stuff like right. that so um that's why it was really why those companies, a Primo, Unica, uh, there's another Unica. one. Unica. Yeah, there's where, where another Unica one that now? was that was owned by Infor or mm-hmm. Orbis. Yeah, yeah. Um, those guys were really they were successful in those initial um, set of customers, and then as they tried to broaden into other markets, like a typical B two B company, then yeah. they, it 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 was tough because the you know, the buyer, and, and I have to say, I was one of those early buyers looking at this stuff, and I said, boy, this is, like, really complex. And yeah. and it's more complex than me as a B2B marketer yeah. needs to needs yeah. to have it. Um, so then then we get into, you know, now we get, you know, go forward a couple decades, literally a couple decades, you know. It was at uh, maybe a decade and a half. <laughs> and yeah. And so we still got back to what's the what is the use case I'm trying to solve. And so yeah. when I was 
you know, talking to clients about these products. And I would say, well, you know, if you're trying to solve the budget planning, performance management, blah, 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 then there's tools. And so I'll, I'll go through a number. We'll hit, we'll hit all the vendor names so that everybody feels, <laughs> yeah. feels yeah. they got some love. But like Allocadia, Hivedine, um, yeah. uh, you know, they've been successful in terms of solving the CMO He's going to create a budget. He's going to create yeah. a sort of a campaign or a, or some sort of hierarchy of here's how I'm dividing my spend, yeah. and now I'm going to let people spend. I'm going to make sure it integrates with the finance yeah. systems and track that all. Yeah, so that's yeah. one problem. A bunch of companies that do a really good job at that. And then there's the, uh, you know, um, and you've been talking about some of this, you know, with work you do. It's it's the you know I've got the content problem. People requesting mm. things. I need to show. I need to have have a defined workflow. I need to assign work to people. Yeah. I need to track where they are. I need to provide visibility into that. Mm-hmm. And that's where you know Asana, Jira, Workfront, Rike, and there's a long list of companies that, yeah. that that do that kind of workflow management. But they don't really handle the budgets. Yeah. And they don't handle, and they don't, for the most case, they don't handle the digital asset management. Although they no. know they, most of them know that they need to integrate so that yeah. they can, they can work with whatever workflow is in the digital asset management tools. And then you get the asset management tools like Aprimo, Purchase, Adam, uh, Open Text. You know, I mean, there's a long, long mm-hmm. list uh, of asset management tools. I can't, can't even remember. There are just so many of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and they often have, you know, there's even like Rico and stuff that they all have their own little niche that they do well in asset management. So, um, so going back to if I'm, if I'm in this space, what is the problem I'm trying to solve? If I'm trying to get a yeah. hold of my assets and understand how they operate and are being used, am I trying to manage the workflow to be more productive? Or am I trying to manage budget? Or am I really mm-hmm. trying to do kind of like back to my, Toothpaste product manager. Am I really trying to manage the whole thing? Mm-hmm. So I need I need visibility across all of that spend, yeah, time spent, you know, money spent, time spent, assets utilized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big it's a big challenge, and um, we could mention so many. I mean, only a few vendors have appeared on the show, so I, I don't feel so bad about. <laughs> and of course i should mention sendshare which is the birthplace yes. of rockstar cmo and where i was a former cmo uh, yeah. but <laughs> uh, that's right but it, but that's really interesting because um so so these these vendors have formed out of having a specialism of solving a particular part of the cmo's problem but now they've started moving into these other areas so what right. so is does that mean that mrm is now like a as a, a sort of a super category uh, where um uh, where you know it's like like i don't know digital experience platforms where where where, where you're looking at something that's now so so bloated and fat that people are actually retracting back and thinking that they want best of breed is that where mrm sits you know that is a um, that's a good question. <laughs> that's always when somebody responds to something where they go, "Christ, sure what's this?" That's a good question. <laughs> now I, let me pivot to what I wanted to say. Oh and, my god! No. I, I can't. Sorry. I can't believe I did that to you, Jeff. <laughs> so no, I, that is that actually is a good question. And 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 um, I don't know if I characterize bloated and blah blah blah, but but yeah. but. But certainly, no, you didn't. That, that were my words. So, uh, just to distance you from yeah. those fine vendors we just spoke about. Yeah, but there are. Um, so, you know, the the um, the professionals that track these uh, three other mm-hmm. acronyms and the categories. I mean, they still have maintained an MRM category that they track. Our, our mm-hmm. colleague Rusty Warner at, yeah. at Forrester. I mean, he's yeah. one of the ones who's been doing that. I don't, yeah. can't remember if he's on that right now. You know, Gardner does that as well. Um, and they will kind of go through and break down the components of, of MRM. And they're doing mm. it for both business to business and business to consumer. And they'll break mm. down the components and they'll say, you know, here's who, here's who's strong in these or who covers these areas and yeah. use cases. Here's who covers those use cases. Um, and, I actually uh, like Forrester for that, actually, just to interrupt you, because in my experience out of working with the big analysts, what I quite like about Forrester is that they will give you their workings, won't they? And you can yes. fiddle about with the spreadsheets. Correct. Yeah. And so if, you're, if your bias is more towards needing workflow in an MRM, then that will change the ratings that they, mm-hmm. they would do. So I, as a, 
as a for us a client, I guess I enjoyed that part of working well, with them when it came to a selection. Yeah, we, could, we can give them a thumbs up for because uh, <laughs> you're right. I mean, they have their own criteria, but you can yeah. download the spreadsheet and you can fill yeah. with your your yeah. own prioritization. Um, and um, but I think so. Going back to a little bit about what what Ed was saying and um, and others. Who another another vendor where we're just mentioning vendor names? Brandmaker was another mm. one. Uh, they're from Germany, and they and and I had noticed the the kind of the the trend of them talking about this content delivery issue. Mm-hmm. It's like we do all of these things, but our 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 focus is on this delivery of the right message to the right person at the right time. Yeah. You know, as the content marketing platforms, which we talked about last week, are we're, we're moving the other direction and saying, well, yes, we can, we can, uh, yeah. we can improve the content delivery and measurement yeah. and planning process. And by the way, we're going to be adding things that help you do the planning, yeah. the performance yeah. measurement, the work, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The budget. Or, or the budget. Yeah. Or, and, and, or, you know, we are an interface with, you know, we only, mm. we have our own dam, but we can interface with all the popular dams out there. Yeah. You know? So, uh, it's, I, um, I've, yeah, well, I think it's also, um, interesting about this is, so I've, um, I've gone and hawked similar solutions in my past. And I remember, <laughs> I remember working and, it's one of those it's one of those things when you find the right buyer who has the level of complexity and understands the problem really well like that core part of MRM you described at the beginning is brilliant for them yeah. right so um I, I think we're not naming vendors, uh, naming um, potential clients, but I don't know how to tell the example. No, I suppose they were a consumer electronics company that um, I visited in in the Netherlands, and they were the we were working with this um, product manager guy, and he was exactly what you described: complex products, a lot of geographies, a lot of moving parts, different instruction manuals, different geos different photos that needed to be done. And he was trying to do this in this massive spreadsheet, right? Which is the thing that enterprise software always competes with, right? Is it Excel? And so when we showed him a solution to that, that was was software, it was absolutely what that guy needed at that time. But I think that that's such a specific and complex thing that sometimes that happens in these software, in these B2B vendors, right? Is that they've got something that's that's perfect for somebody, but the easier sell is the thing that everybody understands, right? So everybody understands yeah. the front end and getting the content to people. And I don't know if that's true, but any thoughts on well, whatever I, so, it is I just said? Yeah. So, but I think that, that, um, so if you, if you take it from the buyer's perspective, you yeah. know, you know, you're out there looking to solve your problem and, and you should be yeah. thinking about it. What is, what's the use case and what are the requirements I mm-hmm. have? Yes. And, and when you're looking at vendors and, and if, if all the vendors are on the same trend wave, you know, they're all talking the same thing. Um, and it's like, but what, but what really is under the hood? Yeah. Um, and understanding where the, the company came from, yeah. is is really helpful to understanding what's under the hood because it mm-hmm. says that's what their their capabilities when you when you take away all yeah. the marketing and you take away a lot of the new functionality and yeah. you get down to the core of that product what was it really good at and yeah. and so you know if you know again that we don't we would need to go through all the vendors and stuff like that but it's like yeah, so we had yeah. these they had these sweet vendors who were good at solving this international product managers problem you have you have vendors that were good at solving the cmo has got to figure out his their budget problem and you've got vendors that are trying to solve the i can create an automated workflow and let you customize it and do templates and blah 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 and 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 so you gotta you gotta look at how your needs match with kind of the 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 real skills that that vendor came with I think you, you do get, I mean, that's where, where some of the, I think the MRM suites, it gets harder to figure out because you've got, um, like if you take a Primo, you know, that you've got the fact they purchased a dam. Mm. I mean, they acquired a company that was really good at digital asset management. They acquired a company at channel management. They acquired, so, so then you got to sort through that mm. heritage. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think the simpler model where that acquisition hasn't happened so much is, 
um, is absolutely true because I've worked inside software vendors. So every time that you try and move your into a new category or expand the category, you you still have the same database structures you still have the same code structures it's not just about, and and also as you say you have these core set of skills in your engineering and 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 leadership team that understand a particular problem that you now need to try and get to understand a different problem right. and move the software in that direction right. and if you've got a, if you've got a database that's that's very focused on uh i don't know budgeting or calendaring it's not necessarily going to be very good at managing metadata for a content management system for for example so i think that's really interesting about understanding the core of the organization and where they come from absolutely absolutely and and that's where i mean i certainly work with clients that have um for lack of a better term piece to get pieced together an mrm solution so they mm -hmm. you know they they bought the best of breed components and they yeah, they yeah. were they were strategic about making sure um, the integration points between components, yeah. like what do I need to exchange between my budget planning tool and my workflow mm -hmm. tool? What do I mm -hmm. need to exchange between that and the marketing automation platform? Yeah. And, and actually being able to stitch together something that gave them what, you know, if it was in, in a case, at least I'm envisioning, they wanted reporting visibility. So yeah. those three components together gave them visibility and and also with their CRM system, like a Salesforce, gave them visibility into everything. Yeah. Um, but then again, you also got to have the patience, the people to manage that yeah. technical integration. Uh, you know, even if you're managing the vendors doing the work for you, it's like you got to be able to know how all these things are supposed yeah, to work yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. And in your experience, this one final question, like we're coming up for time. Um, in your experience, what sort of mix did you see between people that were looking for custom clients of yours that were looking for MRM um, best practice so they could implement a best of breed like you just described and people that were, were, were picking stuff up off the shelf? Is And, and did you see... I'm not suggesting whether we should advise one way or another, but did you see a sort of a, a level of success in either approach? Well, I think people um, were uh, were certainly the 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 purchasing was into more best of breed because mm -hmm. I think even the sweet vendors found themselves, um, you know, from a sales and marketing strategy, leading with one or two of their modules mm -hmm. and it might be different you know i mean it's not it's not that they were they were not giving attention to all of their products yeah. but they would use you know one set of capabilities as the entry point into an, an organization and then try to grow from there yeah. so so that and, and again this is in the b2b world where i don't think in the b2b world um, many cmos and I, and I think this is definitely going to change over time i don't think many cmos were thinking about I need to get visibility into everything that's going on in my organization. So like that, like that toothpaste product manager, yeah. you know, I want to know the budgets. I want to know the reuse of content. Yeah, yeah. I want to see things yeah. roll up in different ways. Yeah. And I don't, I just, you know, I don't think they've quite hooked on to that promise because that is the promise is that the CMO and their leadership team can mm. define a way of going to market that is flexible but gives them visibility and some control over everything mm. in the organization. Mm, mm. Uh, interesting. And with that, I will, I will, I will. I'll yes. <laughs> I think, I think to, uh, yeah, but it's, it's how we always leave these uh, MarTech discussions, isn't it? Well, it really about defining your requirements, understanding what you want before you go into the market, which is the defining the, 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 always the advice. And, and I would recommend people come talk to you about it, to be honest. So um, anyway, uh, <laughs> what, um, so are we deciding that we, at one point at the beginning of this conversation, we were thinking about whether this is a one hit wonder or wonderful. Yeah. I'm thinking it's, it's it's a it's a wonder. It's a wonderful. I thought so. Yeah. So we're agreed. So we're gonna we're gonna play out with the strains of uh, of Wonderwall again by Oasis. And um, thank you very much for your time, Jeff. And I'll see you next week. Thank you. Cheers. Always mate. a pleasure. Thank you. Bye bye. Today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you. By now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. Backbeat, the word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out. I'm sure you've heard it all before, but you never really had it.
Thank you, Jeff, Marketing Resource Management, a wonder wall. And not just because we had Eric, the CMO of Primo, on the show last week, or because it gave me an excuse to quote Monty Python, honestly. If you want to know more about the topic, I would encourage you to chat to Jeff. I will, of course, include all his links in the show notes. On to our guest. This week's interview is with Irene Naircorn-Kane, Director of Marketing at Tag, a marketing attribution technology company that transforms the way marketers evaluate, measure and optimise their campaigns and respective budgets. As a dynamic, creative and goal-orientated international marketing professional, she combines strategic planning and thought leadership with decisive execution to drive growth and competitive advantage in competitive technology markets. She is passionate about integrating AI into marketing while still relying on common sense in strategic decision-making. And if you are a regular listener, you'll know she's a friend of the show, suggesting topics for me and Jeff and comments regularly on our LinkedIn page, which I very much appreciate. I'm delighted that she agreed to be interviewed, despite her hesitancy about her English, which is way better than my German. So a very warm guten tag to Irene. Hope you enjoy this interview. Welcome, Irene, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Ian. I'm doing really great. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> of course, of course. You're a friend of the show. I mean, you, I love the support you give us on LinkedIn. It's, it's splendid. Um, so for people that don't know you, and I have talked about you on the show, me and Jeff have talked to you about you on the show a couple of times. Um, for the listeners that don't know, uh, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your current role. Yeah, okay, of course. Um, yeah, how shall I describe myself? I'd say I'm a marketing and communication professor, professional and um, uh, with special expertise in brand positioning, strategic marketing and communication planning. And uh, I have indeed an educational background in marketing that helps mm -hmm. me uh, to get all the bits and pieces together. I think marketing is composed of a lot of things, digital marketing, event and so forth. And yeah, that helps me to get a kind of helicopter view um, uh -huh. to see everything. Yeah, you're, you're classically trained. You went to the University of Wales, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> nice. <think>. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> And you're in you're in Dis you're in Düsseldorf right now, right in Germany. Actually, I'm in Düsseldorf. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and at the moment, you're the director of marketing at Exact Tag. Yeah. Uh, tell us about them. I I, I was uh, obviously doing my research before we chatted. Mm -hmm. um, you you do marketing mix attribution. What does that mean? Yeah, indeed, we are the uh, leading platform in uh, marketing attribution in Europe. And um, as you may know, marketing campaigns are complex and exp uh, exp expensive today. And uh, companies do not have to waste any money. So um, we are actually evaluating each touch point of the complex customer journey um, mm -hmm. in how far it has contributed to the desired outcome, whether it is a registration to a webinar or newsletter subscription or even a purchase. So that means... Um, you know, campaigns consist of display, video, TV, search, whatever that is, direct type in. We measure, um, we evaluate both um, journeys. So that is the um, user journey, which uh, did not succeed in, uh, in a purchase or a subscri subscription or whatever we wanted. Uh -huh. uh, or, uh -huh. And we evaluate the um, customer journey. Uh, and so we do that with uh, the use of AI, um, which derives some common patterns. And uh, yeah, we um, deliver the outcome to the various companies and so they can uh, improve their campaigns in accordance. Right, uh. right. And what sort of organizations do you work with? Well, okay, we have a couple of blue chip companies here. So that is mm -hmm. Vodafone, for instance. We have uh, yeah. some. We have Lufthansa. Uh, we have Aida. We have uh, yeah some really good brands here, and uh, yeah, so uh, a lot of uh, um, retail brands, of course, S. Oliver and Otto are some of our customers. Six, you may know. Uh, the mm -hmm. the leading yeah. uh, company. Good yes. names. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah good names. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah, cool. And and you talked about the beginning of your. Um, I mean, I was digging to people's curious about people's start in marketing. Mm-hmm. We've had all sorts of different people on the show, as you know. Uh, but you started off actually. Ch- you chose marketing as a career, didn't you? In, in, in your education. So, what inspired you to choose marketing? <laughs> It's a good question. Actually, I started my career in sales and then followed right. by key account management. And then I mm-hmm. thought I, it was, I won't say the year, <laughs> some years ago, <laughs> yeah. I thought, okay, so let me gain a holistic view about uh, all these bits and pieces. Yeah, you have uh, yeah. Uh, sales what do they actually do? They try to sell something, a uh, key account management. They try to serve customers and marketing. Uh, marketing has to bring everything together. I think, I think it's very yeah. important to have a holistic view on all these bits of pieces. And that actually brought me uh, to marketing, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I don't want to offend sales. Neither do I want to con- uh, <laughs> uh, 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 offend key account <laughs> management, but I think, the yeah most holistic way or lens through you can see uh the customer and all your communication is the marketing lens to be honest uh i think that's and and some people would argue that we don't do enough of that right as marketers that we don't um focus enough on sales and the customers and and taking that lens so i think that's uh, that's good to hear and i imagine that a sales background has served you well in in marketing, right? Because that's a key relationship we need to have in the business. That's very important because the the good point is actually I can understand the different stakeholders. I know the needs of sales. Mm -hmm. I know their goals. I know the pressure they have. I know, on the other hand, I know what key account management means and how they have to serve the customer and that they have all their up and cross-selling goals. So um, I think it's very important to understand these uh, positions uh, very well in order to contribute to um yeah to 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 the greater good <laughs> if you will yeah. yeah 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 and is that do you think that's the key skill for marketing or what's the number one thing uh, that you recommend to marketers as they're coming through their careers is it that relationship with sales and relationship with customers i'd say yes i'd say yes yeah. i'd say you have to have the capability to um to group them all so um mm-hmm. i don't want to uh yeah i have to um um do something in the uh in the swimming pool later on i don't want it <laughs> spoiled right now but i think we have to yeah. ag- uh, we have to work on uh, eliminating silos here yeah, yeah. All right. So um, we'll get to that in a moment then. Um, but uh, we, we've we've chatted um, before, Irene, and, and I've, I enjoy the the um, suggestions you make for us on over on LinkedIn. And, and me and Jeff have referred to some of your suggestions before. And one of those was um, you were talking about outsourcing and all of these. Um, sort of quick fixes, I guess, for marketers that they can go and and they can they can bring in um, a quick resource um, to, to to help them. And and you had some interesting views on that. What well, what is it that you wanted to share? Yeah, I think it's um, uh, what I've noticed actually also in the companies I have worked for is that the gig economy or these marketing platforms they really serve yeah. for money saving. Yeah, let's be honest. So right. they don't serve for excellence or for being better or for achieving achieving, uh, yeah, really ex- excellent results. They just serve for money saving or for they are help if you have some problems with your employees. They kind of uh, help you mm-hmm. adding some stuff here. Yeah. Um, but I think. Uh, if you look behind it and um, what's your goal, you have to start with your goal. If, if your goal is being yeah. excellent, um, why would you choose marketing platforms, to be honest? And I know they, they yeah. know that they have these problems and therefore they kind of um, yeah, put a lot of things on their platforms. So um, design examples, wording examples, whatever, strategy examples. And, uh, but to my view, they only, um, yeah, the result can be only mainstream, uh, yeah, output. So, um, 
Mm-hmm. And I have another point here. These platforms, I don't know if you know Fever or Upwork or so, and you mm-hmm. name them. Yeah. Um, the people who are working for these platforms are, um, to my view, underpaid. And um, so I think yeah. the, we have also social arguments. And to my view, the glue to, to our society is that everybody should enjoy social security and should also have access to a minimum wage and have the opportunity to achieve a certain stage of prosperity, right? So, and yeah. some somehow, at least that is my view, we kind of circumnavigate these social standards by... Um, Yeah, actually hiring people from these platforms because it's, it's, I've experienced that you, they work as a tender platform. The cheapest, uh, um, wins mm. the deal and you're working with somebody yeah. and then you don't know this person. You have to brief this person. Yeah. Uh, maybe he or she has a different cultural background. Um, I think yeah. sometimes that can be really good. But sometimes it can really be uh, an obstacle. So, for instance, just give me, let me give you a small example. Um, colors, for instance. If you think of hmm. brown. Yeah, brown for Germans are, it's the area in the uh, 1930s where Hitler came up. So this is a cultural yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of um, point which people from Asia or wherever they come from, they don't really know. For instance, I've worked also for mm. an American company um, uh, and I have seen a presentation where some martial um, uh, soldiers were shown uh, and we thought, okay, so that's, that's not a good idea uh, as a key visual mm. for Germans, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> so um, these are kind of quality yeah, yeah. problems uh, which may arise. And um, yeah, so I think um, there are a lot of uh, freelance uh, people uh, around uh, with whom you can start a joyful and also yeah, um, fruitful cooperation. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. my point of view. That, that, and that's really, I mean, I love your social um, mm. point about this in that some of these platforms are um, you know, not serving, the, you know, the, the fact the person, I guess they're doing it voluntarily, but it, they're not serving society particularly well. Uh, but And also um, that, that was the point that Jeff and I made a couple of weeks ago when we picked up on this um, topic from you, um, is that it's all very well to have freelancers, but they have to be a partner in, in the a creative partner in what you're trying to That's achieve. Right. Right? Yeah, definitely. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. 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 Well, um, and well, keep the topics coming, Irene. It's been, it's, it's great picking up your suggestions <laughs> on LinkedIn. Um, so what's the, um, so we're going to uh, move on now to the, to the final question. Um, if you're ready for that. And you hinted at it already. Um, we have a regular feature on the Rockstar CMO called the Swim Pool, our portal to marketing hell, where we chuck all the bullshit, snake hole and overhyped trends that are part of this industry we love. What would you yeah. chuck in there? Okay. So initially, <laughs> I thought about purpose. <laughs> that fits a bit. Yeah. Right. Because if you have a, yeah, yeah. Uh, have a purpose, then you should have it and you should support it. And, um, but, Actually, when I, yesterday, when I did my usual Sunday run, I thought, okay, maybe yeah. if we are talking about platforms and if we are talking about marketing, and as I outlined to you, I'm, I've got a kind of holistic view on, on companies. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should go for silos. And because yeah, yeah. Uh, it's still, it's still an obstacle. I quite frankly noticed yeah. that in my company, um, as well here. So, uh, I think, mm-hmm. um, if we want to excel and if companies want to excel, they have to eliminate silos. They have to eliminate silos between, um, marketing, sales, key account management, uh, and also customer service and 
marketing yeah. within marketing as well. As as I told you, we have bits yeah. of pieces and we have event marketing, we have uh, performance marketing, we have uh, a lot of yeah. uh, different disciplines which kind of work in silo. And sometimes I think it's very important yeah. that um, people notice that we have to break up these silos because I know some, some people are mm. just working to reach their goals in um, display marketing. Okay. So what what yeah. about uh, performance? What about uh, brand and what about the other stuff? Yeah. So um, that is very important to yeah. my view. And um, yeah, I cannot yeah. <laughs> say it uh, <laughs> often enough. I think that is something we have to work on uh, despite of data Despite of the tools we have, it's it's very human, yeah. and we have to um, that we think in silos, and uh, it's very very uh, important that we overcome these silos. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree with you, and it's a discussion we've had a couple of times actually on, on the podcast yeah. about silos. And what's your advice um, for breaking down those silos of, of making of, of I mean, we don't break down silos, we connect them, don't we, I suppose. But what's your advice? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm struggling with that as well. <laughs> I think you have to make your company yeah. aware of that. I remember once when I was working mm. for a financial company, Yeah, uh, we were working in the B2B and the B2C market were selling mortgage bonds uh, to the market. And yeah. uh, One time we had a complaint from a customer who has received an invoice with a um, wrong word. Something was wrong there and he was really complaining. And then mm -hmm. all the teams hooked up and we uh, had an overall meeting with finance, with bookkeeping, with marketing, with customer service. And we mm -hmm. defined where does the, comp uh, the, the consumer gets in touch with us? And it's not only marketing, mm. it's, it's the expensive campaign. It's then maybe the contract. Mm. It is then the invoice. It is then, I don't know, the customer service with a new offer. So that means okay. um, to get this picture and to tell this story. And sometimes maybe you yourself have to only put uh, yourself into the shoes of the customer. I'm a customer as well. And yeah. I want to be treated well. I want to see maybe a well-designed ad, but uh, I would like um, to receive an invoice without a spelling mistake. Or, yeah, it's just <laughs> that yeah. simple, yeah? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely. No, that's brilliant. Thank you very much, Irene. Um, and also, I must commend you. I know that English yeah. isn't your first I'm language so and that you're yeah. a little bit nervous about talking for this amount of time in, in English. And thank you very much for doing that. I think you did really well um, and uh, way better than I could have done in my German, that's for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> Especially as I, my my time in Germany was a lot in Bavaria, where yeah. they speak a different Definitely. German altogether. So. <laughs> uh -huh. so, so thank you, and um, and Irene. If um, aside from um, uh, following us and seeing your comments on LinkedIn, where if people uh, spin the dial on the internet, where would they find you? I think probably on LinkedIn. I think that's the that that's yes. the channel. I have um, a, a Twitter account as well, but I think LinkedIn is. All right. All right. Well, I'll share a link to that in the show notes. And uh, thank you again uh, for, for appearing, Irene. And I look thank forward you so to speaking much. to you soon. And, uh, have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you, Irene. Splendid conversation. An exact tag sounds like an interesting solution to that elusive search for attribution us marketers are continuously on a mission to find. Right, it's that time of the week again. We're still in lockdown and where better to go than the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar and see where my friend and content marketing guru Robert Rose can transport us to this week. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Ah, hello, my friend. Welcome to the bar. Um, Thank you. Look, well, uh, I've got a fancy drink tonight. Ooh. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm feeling fancy and, and I'm uh, feeling very fancy. And I'll tell you why I'm feeling fancy, um, uh, because I got a haircut. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> it's the first. I'm not even kidding. It's the first haircut I've had in almost five months. Uh, um, 
my hair was long enough uh, to. Uh, so when I was in when I when I when I graduated high school mm-hmm. uh, and went to college, I let my hair go, mm-hmm. uh, and I you know turned into you know well, <laughs> your listeners in the UK will mm-hmm. will know this reference, but most people in the u.s will not which is do you remember nigel from the young ones <laughs> yes i do yes. i look like nigel i, I look like <laughs> nigel from the young ones um and so that you know was the length of my hair for those of you in the u.s think share just basically think yeah, that yeah, that's the length. Yeah, yeah that was the length of my hair but i have such fine hair and i mean yeah. fine texture not fine yeah. like in, in yeah. quality yeah. um that it doesn't, you know, when it gets long, it just, uh, it just goes flat on my head. Oh my so God. anyway, I could pull it back in a ponytail. It was the first time since college, basically, I could pull my hair back into a oh ponytail. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, <laughs> there, so there was lots to work with. And anyway, I got a haircut and I'm back to my normal feeling fancy oh, self. Excellent. So this is the, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the wonderful words of, uh, you know, the, the wonderful show community, um, uh, the uh, hashtag treat yourself. So treat yourself <laughs> with a, this wonderful cocktail, which is uh, a twist on a Manhattan. Um, nice. I love myself a good Manhattan, as we've yes. talked about on this show many times. Yes. Um, but we have my favorite new bourbon. Um, so there we go, the twist already, mm-hmm. which is the Four Roses bourbon. Um, right. No no relation to me, but uh, <laughs> an amazing bourbon. And then a French sweet vermouth. No. Uh, and instead of orange, I use a grapefruit citrus oil uh, in there to make this delicious, tangy, slightly uh, Manhattan. And it's that just absolutely, delicious. it's a it's a fancy cocktail for a fancy Friday. That's fancy. I yeah. like that. I love the, um, I, I love a bit of bourbon and I'm going to have to look out for f- the four roses. Oh, what, do. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's lovely. Uh, yeah. And especially as we have a... Uh, I should really drink it on this show. With, uh, with, then I'll have five roses. Ah, there we go. <laughs> anyway, I'm nice. putting some ice in a glass. Did you put some ice in that? I did indeed. Oh, jolly good. And I am, um, I do love bourbon. I do have bourbon. Every time you mention bourbon, I think I should really get some bourbon over the, from over there and bring it to my desktop bar. But as I attempt to replicate that drink from my desktop bar, I have gin i have Fantastic. some sitsmith london dry gin which is absolutely is... delicious i gotta tell you um and what is it called swiss miss no it's it? swiss miss sitsmith ah, <laughs> which i think probably when you have a couple of these uh, gets a little harder to order which is probably why I, people i can imagine yes it's the, that might be the most english name for a <laughs> gin i've ever heard in my life <laughs> I think probably, the, the only way it would be more English if it was called Rupert. I think <laughs> <laughs> Rupert Sipsmith. Yeah. I wonder if uh, I wonder if their the, their sales decline as the evening wears on and people say, <laughs> I, oh, I, I have Gordons. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, and of course, when it comes to fancy with me and my desktop bar, then it has to be tonic. Of and, course, uh, I'll be chucking a bit of tonic. Now, it, uh, actually, a little bit fancy because it is a bit of fever tree cucumber tonic. So, um, oh, that's yeah, lovely. That's yeah. a bit of fancy. And let me give this a sip and see how fancy it is. I, I, the, the haircut thing you've got me. Well, the drink you beat me completely every week, and the haircut thing again this week, right? Because uh, I don't have any. So uh, there we go. Um, ah. mm. Oh, but despite that, I do feel fancy. Thank you very much, Robert. That's delicious. And what did we call that drink? Well, I was calling it the treat yourself because you just, yeah, you got to treat yourself when you, when you go out and get a fancy haircut and I love that feeling very fancy about life. Yeah. I could feel fancy like this every week. Thank you very much, Robert. Absolutely. And we're in our lockdown, take us away from here. (laughs) <laughs> virtual tour of the world where are we going this week you know i think we have to stay uh you know okay so we have to go to london mm. and uh th- and because london is one of my favorite places oh. i really 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 enjoy it there but there is a there is a restaurant and i will never remember the name of it mm-hmm. but there is a fancy french uh, and the French sweet vermouth is what made me think of it. Yeah. Um, a fancy, fr- and the bourbon sort of makes me think of London. So there you have nice. that. Um, nice. And so, but there is a, right on the Thames, right next to the Tower Bridge, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so on the south side, the south um, uh, bank, um, there is a brilliant French restaurant um, that I had. It's just, you know, the sunset there is just absolutely spectacular because you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're watching, you know, you're watching the sunset over and behind the tower bridge and it's 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 absolutely spectacular yeah. and i can't remember the for the life of me but that's where we are we're, we're right on the thames oh, man. right on I the south ex- bank i know exactly where you are and i'm trying to think of the name of all the restaurants down down by there but that you're absolutely right because i mean you know i'm just outside london here i spend a lot of time well i used to spend a lot of time in london i haven't been there for God knows how long now, because we're so locked down that going to London is verboten. Um, that uh, I, um, but that part just down there where you're talking about, especially like you say, a nice warm summer evening with the um, sunset Tower Bridge. I go all touristy when I'm down there. I'm taking photos. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know I mean? Oh, it's. It doesn't matter how often you go down there, you're going to take a photo of that. It's beautiful. Well, that sounds marvelous. So some nice French food, a nice view. We're down in London town. Uh, And um, what is it that we're going to be talking about? You know, well, we're going to talk a little bit about, you might be shocked at this, but content and marketing. You know, I don't know if you've We should do that one show. We should, actually. (laughs) Absolutely. I feel like it's a topic that's been overlooked for so long. Um, But here's the thing. Uh-huh. Uh, I've been thinking uh, of my uh, of of something, and this came up with a client we were having a discussion with um, not long ago, yeah. which was around why some content seems to resonate versus others. And what I what I mean by that is, so I'm sure you've had this this happen mm-hmm. to you because I have it happen to me like it seems weekly, um, where you create a piece of content and you think this is amazing. Right. And, and, yeah. and it just, nobody cares. Right. Yeah. It just falls flat on its yeah, face. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever had, you've had that happen to you. Yes. It happens yeah. to me. Um, most of the things I write. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, I console myself with the possibility. I don't think they're amazing. I'm just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a falling flat bit. Really you know, I, I, I tend to console myself with the idea that it was, we're just so ahead of our time. Right. Yeah. You know, we're just, you know, it's just Good an point. idea that's too ahead of its time and has, mm-hmm. you know, Fun fact, by the way, Citizen yeah. Kane, which is considered one of the greatest films uh, ever made, was yeah. a huge box office failure in its initial wow. release. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, there's something else, and this is what I was thinking of, um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it brought me back to this classic marketing thing from university from way, way, way back, mm-hmm. um, which is the idea of what's called the whole product, the whole, mm-hmm. um, the whole, you know, and, and many days we call it the experience these, but it's mm-hmm. really this idea called the, the whole product. And, and the, the context is, is that this client that I was talking with had said, Hey, we're, you know, we're a venture startup. We've yeah. got money. We've making yeah. content. We're creating all this content. And our competitor, who has the same amount of money, same basic age of us, same basic, you know, differentiator, but we're in a crowded space. Well, their content is going amazing and they're getting recognition for it and they're building audiences and our content, which is deeper, better, more thought through, better original Mm -hmm. research is not. And Mm -hmm. it's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I said what I said to her when she was talking to me about this. I said, "Right, you're the Betamax and they're the VHS of your industry." <laughs> she didn't know well, that story. No, yeah, yeah, she, say, she, didn't, yeah. <laughs> she didn't really recognize that uh, no. that story, which of course is from the '70s and '80s when you and I were kids, um, yeah. and Sony's Betamax was a far superior. Mm-hmm. format um in the mm-hmm. day picture quality sound image stability all of that but that vhs yeah. what we came to know is the vhs video cassette of yeah. course won that product battle because it's they the the players cost less it mm-hmm. was offered longer recording times despite how crappy the recording quality was it mm-hmm. was widely available and they nailed what's called in marketing theory the whole product which of course is something that theodore levitt my marketing mm-hmm. hero of all time brought up mm-hmm. and was made more popular by uh jeffrey moore in his book um crossing the chasm oh which wow. of course every yeah. technology entrepreneur yeah. has to has to read yes um and so what we have to recognize in that theory is that 
consumers, basically everybody, we, we make our choice not based solely on the quality of something we want and ideas and content would be certainly um, in that in that range. We make it based on any number of contextual con- uh, combinations of attributes, right? It could be acquisition ease or yeah. you know, price or service or brand awareness or you know any number of factors, some of which we can control and some of which we can't. Yeah. And so when we started looking at that issue with um, my, my client, what we found was, well, maybe the reason that their content was resonating so much was because they made it super easy to understand. They made it easy yeah. to share. They made it easy that, you know, it was low effort to get into it. And despite the fact that it was a bit superficial and a bit fluffy, they were making it much, you know, they were the VHS of their content, yeah, right? Yeah, they were yeah. the, you know, of their industry. Yeah. And, and so that is, I think, something we could, as content creators, we can often get locked into this idea of, you know, we create these brilliant ideas, but then we lock them away in a resource center that you can only get to if you provide 19 elements of information, right? Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. Or we, we create this amazing idea and then we put it into this, you know, 42 page white paper that nobody can understand because it's so esoteric, yeah. right? So we have to figure out not just the ideas and stories we want to tell, but, you know, ultimately, how do we express them in ways that are approachable, that are the VHS, quite frankly, of, you know, of yeah. our of our industry. Anyway, it's something that's on my Yeah, mind. yeah. No, I love that. And what did you diagnose on the basis of that? Did you discover it was uh, uh, what part of the whole product were they getting wrong? They, you know, it's a, it's a little tough to tell because I think it's the, you know, it's one of those things where in hindsight it becomes obvious, but it's very Uh hard to tell in real time. But I think the, the three primary things were one, they were gating everything. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, You know, and so that makes it inaccessible um, to wider audiences. And so, yay, the benefit is you get a lead, but the con is, is Mm. that nobody spreads it, right? You can't, you can't spread that idea. And you get a contact. Right. Two, exactly. <laughs> Two, they were siloing off their ideas into, mm-hmm. um, you know, classic formats, right? Yeah. So you had a great idea, but it was only expressed in one PDF white paper. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of repurposing that wonderful, great idea into yeah. a blog post, a webinar, a white paper, yeah. a section of their website, a short article, a long article, you know, taking yeah, yeah. a few big ideas and making them completely modular and easy yeah. to access and spread. And that's one of the keys here today in, in the world that we live in, in thought leadership land, we have to not just create the ideas, but spread the ideas. Mm. And, and so that those two things I think were the main two culprits, you know, and, and arguably related to the second one. The third one was, you know, they were a little bit, you know, let's call it bashful. I don't know, but, or, you know, about talking about their ideas. Right. So you've also got to, you know, you got to talk up your ideas as well. You got to, you got to go out there and market the marketing, as I like to say. Yeah. Yeah. And I I always like it when you talk about marketing, the marketing for sure. And, um, and also you get that compound effect, don't you? Of, um, if you talk about, um, you're kind of priming the idea and isn't there's statistics, isn't there about how often somebody needs to see something for it to actually resonate with them. So if you have got this great idea, and you do bury it once, it's likely that even if the person read the thing, that it's kind of going to might, might escape them or they, then they'll need to see that over and over again, won't they, to, to associate that idea with yourself. It's a great point. It's a, it's a fantastic yeah. point, which is, you know, how many times, and you can probably even think of this in your own life, right, when you've yeah. read a great book or you've read some wonderful white paper or some in-depth article yeah. and you went, wow, that's amazing, and you sort of just filed it away. Yeah. And it wasn't until someone brought it up weeks, months, quarters, years yeah. later that you went, right. That yeah. was that. I, yeah. That was, beca- that is what made, you know, so it was something yeah, else yeah. you see that triggers that yeah. ultimate emotion. Yeah. And so how do you shorten the time between those two events, right? Yeah. Between the time that, you know, I, I, I create something that you resonate with, mm-hmm. but then create some other version of it that triggers you to take an action. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I love that. And and it also goes back to the um, point I think that you were making a couple of weeks ago, which is that we should start with the idea and the story rather than the mechanism for which we want to deliver it. So, you know, and we face this all the time, don't we, as content marketers, is somebody says, I need a blog post, I need a white paper, I need an infographic. Well, maybe we should think about the story first. That's right. And, and all the ways that it might, you know, mm-hmm. be expressed. I mean, one of the, you know, the, the, the very, very tactical yeah. um, sort of expression of that is, and I just, it's top of mind for me because I just finished uh, one of my last episodes of the show that I've been doing. And we're talking about yeah. video. Yeah. And the, there is a, there is a concept in movie making called mm-hmm. coverage, yeah. which is, you know, when you're on location, you shoot everything. Right. You shoot it from multiple angles. You shoot it from, you know, yeah. up above. You shoot it on an iPhone. You shoot it on, you know, you shoot it yeah. everywhere to, yeah. because you're, it's, you're, it's a special thing. You have this set built for the thing, your yeah. set piece. And, you know, you shoot it every single way and capture it knowing that you're yeah. not going to use all of it. Yeah. Um, because that it's, you know, you're capturing this once in a lifetime ability to put all of these people, equipment, process and talent and script and content together and you get all of it. And it, it's it's in many ways, one of the things missing in the way that businesses create content mm-hmm. is we think what's the most effective, efficient, cost efficient way to actually capture this idea. Yeah. So if we're doing a customer story, we send out one person with an iPhone and a microphone, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and we go, get the customer story because yeah, we're yeah. going to write about it in a PDF. It's like, no, yeah. Yeah, if you're going to go to the trouble of getting a customer story, send a camera crew, audio, photographs, yeah. Yeah. you know, a writer, you know, think about the questions ahead of time, get your coverage, get everything you need yeah. so that when you want to tell that story on a social media channel in a vertical video view, mm-hmm. you've got it. You know, yeah. when you want to tell it in a beautiful television formatted ready for netflix documentary you've got it you know (laughs) yeah it's it's, you know you've got those assets as you need slow down and -hmm. expand the idea of content creation and ideation and storytelling yeah and it'll i just guarantee you it'll speed up and amplify your production Absolutely. absolutely and 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 it's it's weird isn't it because you're in you're saying let's go slow now and then we'll be much faster later and it's always a difficult sell, but it absolutely works. So it's absolutely works. It just, I just watched it. I've just watched it too many times happen where, you know, you know, I was, I, I, I may have told this story before, but you know, I, I was talking with uh, one of our clients in the past who was an insurance company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she said to me at one point, you know, if I see one more article in our document repository on distracted driving i'm going to kill somebody <laughs> they had 42 articles about <laughs> distracted driving in there you yeah. know because why somebody thinks up ah we should talk about distracted driving in yeah. our blog post right and then they yeah. go okay well how do we do that well yeah. i don't know let's go make one right <laughs> yeah. and then they go make one and make the 43rd and then somebody bothers to go didn't we uh, haven't we done this before (laughs) and then they go search the damn system or they go try and search through the excel spreadsheet they've created because they don't have a damn system and then they and then they come back with ah yes we've done this 40 42 (laughs) times before fantastic well that's a i I mean amen from me on this one my friend that's absolutely perfect and i presume that you've talked about this before in your own little corner of the web using your own system and only talked about it once where would people find that (laughs) (laughs) well they'll find it many places one is (laughs) they'll find it um they'll certainly find it on our little uh our little hole in the wall uh on the internet which is called of course contentadvisory.net um they'll also find it of course where i write weekly for um for content marketing institute Mm -hmm. they'll probably hear it on this show (laughs) so so you know at some point you're going to get it on this show Um, and then of course on social media i'm robert underscore rose on twitter and 
I'm findable on LinkedIn. I, mm. you know, I, I still struggle with the way they do URLs. So <laughs> blah, 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 Robert Rose. <laughs> That's mm. fantastic. I'll, I will actually um, include some links of some of the stuff you've been doing in, on, on the Content Marketing Institute because it's really good. You've been putting together some great videos. I know that you're not going to talk about them, but um, I'll include some of that as well. So all of those links will be in the show notes. Thank you very much, Robert. And will I see you in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar next week? You absolutely will. I look forward to it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Robert. So how do you rate content success? I'd love to know what you think. And I will, of course, include all of Robert's links in the show notes. So that's a wrap on episode 55 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and driving along with us. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks again to Jeff, Irene and Robert. I really appreciate their time. So please share that you heard them on the show. Check out their links in the show notes, follow them and share their work. You can find the show notes on your favourite podcasting platform or at rockstarcmo.fm where you can also find all our previous episodes. So what do you think? Does the world need another effing Martin podcast? Please let me know. Leave a review, subscribe, share or get in touch. You can find us at Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. We have a busy show planned for next week. Jeff and I will be changing up a bit as we start a new series, Privacy, The Marxist Dilemma. I'm having a three-way conversation with newly independent marketing consultants, Christine Bailey and Jeremy Bevan. And Robert Rose will be back in our virtual Rockstar CMO bar. Until then, I've been your host, Ian Truscott, and I hope you'll again join us next week here at Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.